Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June 2021, we're running our annual Radiothon when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday without fail at 12 noon to defend and promote public education. And we're living in very, very strange times. And our politicians, who haven't necessarily protected us as well as we would have liked in the time of plague, are dragging their feet as far as our public school children and our teachers are concerned. So we'll be talking a bit about that today. We'll be talking about how, yes, there's a lot of talk about how our children are going to have perhaps mental problems because of the isolation they have been put in. But the coalition government has come up with the very strange idea that the best thing to do for them is to give them not school counsellors, but chaplains. Um, and not all parents and not all children necessarily think this is a good thing. And the dogs don't think it's a good thing because we are not only in favour of uh, public education, we're in favour of separation of church and state. We believe that our public schools should be open to all and offensive to none. And whereas in the past, we haven't had these chaplains, they're, they're an addition that Howard has imposed upon our state schools. Um, we had school counsellors to do the job when there were children who were undergoing trauma. They would leave the classroom and talk to the counsellor and it would be private between them and the counsellor and then they would come back to the classroom. And it would be only in very exceptional circumstances that their private lives would be a matter for discussion with the teachers or anybody else. But uh, these days, for some reason, this job has been given to so-called chaplains and a lot of people are not happy about it. So that's what our press release is about. Our press release, number 903, which you will find at www.adogs.info. School chaplains are not school counsellors. They entangle the church with the state. And we're going to get Oliver to read you the beginning of this. Thank you, Jane. Coalition MPs have urged Scott Morrison to increase the funding to government school chaplaincy programs to help address concerns that activism against global healing is causing mental health problems for Australian children. Dogs believe that the chaplaincy program contravenes section 116 of the constitution, which prohibits the entanglement of church and state. The program, which offers about $20,000 each to 3,100 schools to employ chaplains, has been controversial since its introduction by the Howard government. An amended version continued under labor and it was redesigned again under Tony Abbott after two successful High Court challenges over the scope of the federal government's executive and constitutional power to fund religious guidance. The federal government signed a four-year agreement with the states and territories in 2019 to spend $245.7 million on school chaplains, with this year's May budget forecasting ongoing funding of $61.4 million a year. Of this, $11.3 million goes to New South Wales 12.8 to Victoria, 18.4 to Queensland, 
and $7.7 million to Western Australia each year. Queensland Liberal Andrew Wallace led the request in Tuesday's meeting to expand the chaplaincy program on the grounds that the coronavirus pandemic is increasing mental health pressures on children and the scheme was one way to offer support. Well, the Guardian newspaper and the Sydney Morning Herald both had something to say to this and Maddie will, will give you the report from the Guardian newspaper. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. In the Coalition Party Room on Tuesday, Liberal MP Andrew Wallace compared children's fear of climate change with the threat of nuclear annihilation in the 1970s and 80s and requested full funding for chaplains in every school to help ease concerns. The Assistant Youth Minister, Luke Howarth, has backed the call to expand the program in comments to Guardian Australia, saying climate activism is alarmist and does cause mental health problems for young people, and that could be helped by chaplains. <laughs> Moderate liberals interpret the push as preparation for increased funding to appease Conservative Party room members in the event the religious discrimination bill is stripped back. The chaplaincy program provides $20,000 to 3,100 schools towards the $45,000 annual cost of a chaplain. It was granted $247 million over four years in the 2018 budget. Wallace told the party room he had entered federal politics to improve mental health and tackle eating disorders, praising health minister Greg Hunt for his work in those areas. Wallace spoke about growing up in the 1970s and 80s during the threat of nuclear annihilation, commenting that now children are afraid they will die in 10 years as a result of extinction from climate change. He blamed groups lobbying for greater action on global heating, including Get Up and Extinction Rebellion, saying warnings of the expected harms were robbing children of hope. <laughs> Wallace pleaded with the government to provide full funding for every school to have a chaplain in response to climate concern and the shadow pandemic, a reference to the mental health impact of COVID-19 and lockdowns. Morrison responded that the chaplaincy program, which was established by the Howard government in 2006 and maintained by Labor in government, was a signature program. Morrison noted annual funding was made permanent before the last election and said the call to expand the program was an interesting suggestion. The coalition enjoyed an edge over Labor with religious voters at the 2019 election and is keen to wedge the opposition over the religious discrimination bill to be introduced before the end of the year. However, it currently faces a split in its own ranks with Liberals including Warren Ench and David Sharma warning that, warning that aspects of the draft bill must be removed because they have become a sword, not a shield for religious institutions to discriminate against others. The chaplaincy program is highly controversial, particularly among secular groups that believe it inappropriately introduces religion into state schools and the Australian Education Union, which believes it should be replaced with counsellors and student wellbeing programs. Howarth said chaplains make a huge difference in state schools, particularly doing outreach with children from broken families and facing other difficulties in their life. I'm a big supporter of school chaplaincy, he told Guardian Australia. Howler said there was no need to fully fund existing school chaplains because he supports the current model of chaplains needing to fundraise to pay the remaining $25,000 to support their place in a school. There are new schools in growth areas that get no funding. We should continue to grow the chaplaincy program. Howarth said that young people's highest priorities were mental health, the environment, security of work and jobs. I personally think, as Assistant Minister, that the language around climate change is alarmist and does cause mental health problems for young people. That's a big concern. Howarth accused Greens and Independents who hold Liberal seats of talking down Australia's achievements reducing greenhouse gas emissions. 
I talk about hope and that we are doing things. I don't talk down the future of Australia and the globe. Well, thank you very much. Well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I'm not so sure that this is going to get up because uh, there are divisions within the uh, party room itself. But we'll wait and see. We'll have a bit of a break now and then Sol is going to tell us what the Rationalist Party or what the Rationalists have to say about this development. Kafirs are Palestinian scarves and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafirs, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafir to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafiyas.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. listening and you are listening to the dogs program and we're talking about the mental health of our children and our teachers in our schools our public schools but um what's mr morrison intended to do about this not more school counselors no he wants chaplains that are going to tell children that climate change shouldn't be a way for them which is extraordinary if you sit and think about it just think about it well, the rationalists have got something to say about this, and uh, so have a lot of people who wrote in. 77 people made comments to the uh, Sydney Morning Herald on this uh, matter, and Sol's going to tell us first what the rationalists have to say, and then Dale is going to tell us what the comments are about. By the way, listeners, for once, I would have to say that the dogs are on the side of the majority here. But over to you, Sol. Thanks, Jean. So the Rationalist Society has had this to say about the proposal. Politicising chaplains. Conservative federal MPs want more money for the National Schools Chaplaincy Program so that chaplains could act as agents for government policy in the classroom. They say chaplains should alleviate students' fear of climate change, claiming it's alarmist and does cause mental health problems. Other MPs recognise this as a tactic. They don't want to shit fight over a religious discrimination bill in Parliament, so they're laying the groundwork for the increased funding for religiously trained troops to indoctrinate the next generation of kids into climate change denial, which they can do without changing legislation. Tricky, very tricky. If they really wanted to support young people's mental health, they should fund mental health professionals, and provide support for parents who may struggle with their own issues trying to homeschool their kids. In our education section, an explanation of how to develop well-being skills in kids that will help them in lockdown, self-organization, autonomy, and adaptability. And from Chris Sedoti, Australia's former human rights commissioner, a self-identified Catholic, a searing indictment of Scott Morrison's version of Christianity. My trenchant criticism is not that he is using his office to implement Christian values, but that he is not. The basic issue is how Morrison understands Christianity. Some beliefs and values are mainstream Christianity, some are peripheral, and some are just over the edge. His policies fail the tests of compassion, justice, and love. They are based on a manichist view of the world as being irredeemably divided into good and evil, Good people and bad people. Good people who should be rewarded and bad people who should be punished. Here and in the hereafter. Asylum seekers clearly fall into the latter group and so they'll be punished. Over to you, Dale, to see what some of the commenters had to say. Yes, well, as would be predicted, uh, you know, the contradictions inherent in the government policy has been uh, recognised by many people. DLM says, why not? place properly qualified counsellors and or psychologists in schools. 
If the answer is cost, then clearly the problem is not what is being stated. The owl and the pussycat said, should Morrison provide more funds for Christian chaplains, then it would show that he does not believe that there's a problem with kids' mental health at school. If he thought there was a real problem, then an army general would have been put in charge of the program to instill public confidence. Uh, tired old Queenslander says, how about we get rid of chaplains and replace them with properly trained therapists? And oh dear me says, there is absolutely no equivalence between chaplaincy and counselling unless said chaplain is also a qualified counsellor, psychologist, therapist, etc. It seems the only qualification needed to be a chaplain is a working with children check and a religious fervour. This presents a pretty one-dimensional sort of service to a child whose natural curiosity will encourage questions such as why do awful things happen in the world? Not just COVID, but wars, famine, terror, greed, and so on. I'm sure there will be an explanation free from a religious point of view, won't there? Once again, the guaranteed secular nature of this nation is being encroached upon by a relatively small fringe. Now, TH says, more money for psychologists and counsellors, yes. More money for chaplains, no. Uh, Northeast Victorian says, wow. Government chaplaincy to cope with the COVID stress caused by the government handling of COVID. Great Raven says, schools already have counsellors and welfare teachers. That's why this is so ridiculous. Private Citizen says, I think students and parents dealing with the mental trauma of growing up through COVID deserve better support than someone telling them that God did it, except the bad things. Don't worry, bad things only happen to non-believers and join our cult for future updates. I have no issues explaining the chaplaincy, expanding the chaplaincy program as long as the money goes to professional therapy rather than some bizarre theological recruitment drive in secular schools. If parents wanted a religious perspective, they would have put them in a religious school or take them to church. The funding doesn't cover the variety of religions that your average school encompasses, while a mental health professional can provide non-denominational non solutions for the student, parent and school. Bruce says, I assume uh, atheists will be funded to provide counselling services in religious schools for balance. Uh, then Jack says, qualified, well-funded school counsellors, not recruitment officers, for religion. Fund schools properly and leave the proselytizers in the church. Again with this Tosh says, the Australian public education system is supposed to be secular, but the outsized sway of religious lobbyists in government continues to see huge amounts of money spent on rigging potential votes rather than healthcare professionals for children. Yes, well, I think that we should be also talking about vaccination. This uh, exercise from the government is a big distraction away from the fact that our young people dealing with Delta need to be vaccinated and we're not even going to have children under 12 vaccinated. Uh, and the teachers have not yet really been fully recognised as essential workers. Uh, before the schools go back, they should all be vaccinated. But um, as the Labor Party keeps saying, that's the one thing Mr Morrison has failed, has failed to do. He's failed to protect us. But we'll have a bit of a break and we'll come back to talk a little bit more about the real issue here, vaccination. What a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMAR. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200, 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mulbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. 
Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. For an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription, you can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card, and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Well, we're back with the dogs program and we're talking about the vaccination of our students in our schools here in Victoria. And there was a very interesting article in the age of August the 30th by Adam Carey, supply shortage hampers the race to vaccinate year 12s before the VCE exams. Uh, If they were certain of their vaccination, they wouldn't need chaplains to uh, deal with mental health. But Maddie's going to tell us about this one. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, um, private VCE English tutor Sue Wilson is used to helping her students be in peak mental shape for their exams, but until this week, that had never included trying to book them in for a vaccination. Miss Wilson has been scrambling to secure a booking for three of her students after the government school they attend in Melbourne's East encouraged them late last week to book via the state government's coronavirus website. English tutor Sue Wilson has tried without luck to book in her VCE students for a vaccination ahead of their English exam. The earliest booking Miss Wilson said she could find was in early October, just as the first exam is set to be held. I think it's hot air. It's not helpful at all, and it may be giving some students false hope, she said, of the Andrews government's target to vaccinate Year 12 students in time for exams. Principals are also scrambling to book VCE students in for a COVID-19 jab before exams start, but are being frustrated by a lack of supply of Pfizer. The supply crunch has prompted Andrew's government ministers to qualify the target education minister, James Molino, set last week to vaccinate students by the time exams start, stating the goal is to give students at least one dose. Schools have begun approaching GP clinics to try to make bookings for their students, but in some cases have been told there is nothing available. Brighton Secondary College Principal Richard Minack said he had made inquiries with government contacts about securing doses for his students, but was told there was Buckley's chance. Language and performance exams begin on October 4, while written exams for the most popular subjects start on October 27. Mr Minak said the state government would need to launch a dedicated program for students if it was to have any chance of vaccinating them by then. I think the state government is going to be under the pump to get kids doing exams and to get kids doing exams, they are going to have to vaccinate them. And that's all going to have to happen by October. So I think it's likely there will be a specific program for students doing unit three and four studies at least. Brighton Secondary College has also approached Ripon Lee Medical, a clinic in Melbourne's southeast that has just made arrangements with two nearby schools, Elwood College and St Leonard's College, to give VCE students a dose of Pfizer on campus on September 9, when Year 12 students are due to sit the GAT, the General Achievement Test. Ripon Lee Medical Practice Manager Marcus Gwynn said the clinic had offered to vaccinate those two schools but had reluctantly knocked back requests from others nearby. I'd love to do more than we are, but we are limited by how much vaccine we've got, said Mr. Gwynn. 
Education Minister James Molino announced the state government target to vaccinate VCE students in time for exams last Wednesday. He said, we want as many students as possible, vaccinated, fully vaccinated, obviously, this is all our aim. We know the vaccination is our pathway out of this pandemic. The Age asked an Andrews government spokesperson what specific measures they were pursuing to help VCE students book in for vaccinations. The spokesperson referred us to a statement by Premier Daniel Andrews on Sunday. We'll get year 11 and 12s vaccinated before exams at least one dose, he said. We'll have more to say about how we're going to get the vaccine administered to our most senior students. We have very successfully used priority lanes, and I think that will be a feature of the plan we announce, and we'll announce it quite soon. GPs and pharmacies in Victoria were able to administer Pfizer vaccinations to people aged 16 and over from Monday. There were no first-dose Pfizer vaccination bookings available at state hubs on Monday, but Health Minister Martin Foley said more spots would become available as the state acquired more vaccine supplies. Meanwhile, senior students and teachers at Greater Shepparton Secondary College will have the opportunity to receive a dose of Pfizer vaccine at two sessions at the Shepparton Showgrounds this week. The program is being run by Goulburn Valley Health. Shepparton is the site of the largest COVID-19 outbreak outside Melbourne with about 100 active cases on Monday. Greater Shepparton Secondary College, which has about 2,300 students at three campuses, has been forced into lockdown along with several other schools in the northern Victorian town. Well, thank you very much. So no wonder Mr Morrison and even Ms Andrews need to have the distraction of uh, chaplains as school counsellors because the uh, vaccination is just not there for the children. Mm. So it's a terrible situation, in fact, that we're in. But we'll have a little bit of a break and we'll come back to uh, some more on this, on this thing. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Well, this is the Dogs Program and welcome back. We're going to go up to Sydney now. And uh, as we've been talking about in the last few weeks, apparently with this whole vaccination business, some are more equal than others. And uh, those who have the money or the uh, network of old boys, the alumni, I should call them, uh, they are the ones who are getting the vaccination. So, Sorrel, you're going to tell us about the Sydney situation. Over to you. Thanks, Jean. So Benedict Brook writes, uh, Sydney private school embroiled in Pfizer Q-Jump claim. A school charging parents $35,000 a year has quietly jabbed staff aged under 40 with Pfizer and asked them to keep the school's role in the shots low key. There are claims of a private school in Sydney offered the Pfizer vaccine to staff under 40, despite the jab not being available to younger people in New South Wales, unless they reside in the local government areas of concern or have another exemption. It's the latest private school to come under scrutiny after apparently facilitating people to queue jump in order to receive scarce Pfizer doses. Abbotsley School started offering shots to staff in early August, with many getting their second shots this week. The private girls' school, which charges as much as $35,000 per year for students to attend, is based in Warunga on the North Shore, far from the epicentre of the Sydney outbreak. In the past month, 
There have been just 24 COVID-19 cases recorded in Abbotsley's local government area of Kuringai. That's 100 times fewer than in the local government area of Cumberland in the city's west. A source close to the school told news.com.au that Abbotsley had quietly organised for all staff, including those under 40, to get Pfizer, despite it being an area of very few cases. The school confirms jab drive. In an email sent to staff and seen by news.com.au, the school advised those getting the jab to refrain from mentioning Abbotsley's part in their vaccination in order to keep the school's role as low-key as possible. A spokeswoman for the school confirmed to news.com.au that the school had worked with medical practices to schedule vaccinations and the jabs were offered in preparation for the safe return of school to our campus and in line with government calls for Australians to be vaccinated. However, despite repeated opportunities to do so, the school would not deny staff under 40 were offered the Pfizer jabs. Current New South Wales health advice is that Pfizer jabs are only available to people over the age of 40. The exceptions are residents in the local government areas of concern, which which, where the most cases have been seen, which includes Fairfield, Liverpool, Canterbury, Bankstown and Blacktown, as well as Cumberland. Authorised workers can also access Pfizer. That does include educators, but again, only in the local government areas of concern. Additionally, some younger people in the city's inner west can also access the US German jab. Even that widening of access to Pfizer for some under 40s only came about in recent weeks after Abbotsley offered the shot to all staff. While under 40s will soon have access to Pfizer, the standard jab for younger Australians remains AstraZeneca. The school wanted to keep the jab role low key. The email from the school, headed Pfizer appointment, wished staff well on getting their jab and said they should soon receive details on their second shot. The message went on to stress the importance of keeping Abbotsley's role on the down low. Under the heading, Important Notice, the email stated, if you are talking about your vaccination and they ask who you had it through, please quote Balmoral Medical Centre at Hornsby rather than Abbotsley. As you know, the Balmoral Medical Centre undertook the vaccinating. From a news cycle viewpoint, we want to keep our role in the process as low-key as possible. An extract from the email sent to staff at Abbotsley said, Balmoral Medical Centre has been contacted for comment. A spokeswoman from Abbotsley told news.com.au she could confirm the school had a role in scheduling vaccinations for staff. I understand that a number of teachers and staff took up the opportunity for their vaccination. Our aim was to be fully prepared for a safe return to minimise downtime for teaching staff by identifying vaccination opportunities and also to contribute to the broader objective to encourage as many vaccinations as possible, the Abbotsley spokeswoman said. The school did not answer repeated questions on the age range of those vaccinated and if younger people had been vaccinated, why they thought it was appropriate to procure Pfizer for them instead of the AstraZeneca. Well, there you are. There you are. And, of course, there were lots and lots of people who uh, wrote in uh, to the, uh, I think it was the Sydney Morning Herald. Michael had this to say, these queue jumpers take vaccine from others more in need of a jab. My wife, aged 68, despite prior blood clots and emergency runs to the hospital, is unable to get this Pfizer jab. It seems there's a selfish approach by this elite school to give private lessons to its staff of take care of myself and stuff the rest. Time for the Prime Minister, Premier and the AMA to call them out and find the practice that administered this enough is enough. We'll have a bit of a break now and we'll come back still on these same uh, issues and we'll uh, take off, I believe, to having a look at the um, uh, what goes on in America. We've got a common enemy. 
The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Welcome back to the DOGS program. Yes, we've got some an article from America now uh, about a primary school in California that saw half the class of 24 infected after a teacher worked while infectious. Uh, it's by Vanessa Stubbs and it's titled Half the Class Caught COVID from an Unmasked Unvaccinated Teacher. A number of unvaccinated COVID-19 cases in ICU highlights vaccination is the key to containing. The teacher, a teacher in Marin County, California, infected 12 of 24 children in a primary school classroom after they turned up unmasked, unvaccinated and infectious with COVID. The teacher started feeling sick on May 19 but continued to work for two days while infectious before testing positive. A report for the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, found that within one week, half the class was infected with the COVID Delta strain. Seven of those infected were sitting in the first two rows. In addition, at least six children in other grades tested positive with a further eight parents and siblings of the students infected. All the children who sat in the front row were infected. Social distancing measures in place. According to the report, the infection happened, while de happened despite desks in the classroom being placed six feet apart and the children wearing masks while indoors. The doors and windows of the classroom were left open and a portable high-efficiency particulate air or HEPA filter was in use. The study noted that the school required teachers and students to wear masks indoors at all times, but the teacher did not wear a face mask while reading aloud to the class. All 24 teachers of the school of 205 students, aside from the one teacher in question and one other, were vaccinated. The authors of the report said the findings showed how virulent the Delta strain of the virus was and emphasised how important it was for teachers to be vaccinated when working with children who were unvaccinated. This outbreak of COVID-19 that originated with, with an unvaccinated teacher highlights the importance of vaccinating school staff members who are in close indoor contact with children ineligible for vaccination as schools reopen, the report concluded. Schools will open in New South Wales from uh, October 25th. Uh, the New South Wales Premier announced all teachers in the state must be vaccinated by November 8th, and the government has set aside a specific day for teachers to be vaccinated on September the 6th. There will be mandatory mask wearing for all staff members and all high school students with the government strongly encouraging primary school students to also wear masks. However, it's not mandatory for children under 12. And so that just goes to show how virulent this strain is and how a bad decision like not wearing a mask can affect so many students, siblings, families and the community at large. Uh, we'll have a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Dogs on 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. You know, it's quite confusing, the cultural heritage laws in this country, and that is of extreme concern 
to our people across this country and you know, not only the Japarong trees, there's Duke and Gorge, and there are a number of other sacred areas of extreme significance to our peoples across the country that are being, you know, because of the cultural heritage laws that are in place are, you know, not actually protecting our heritage at all. 3CR Radiothon, community powered radio. To donate, call 03. 03- 94198377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au And welcome back listeners you're listening to the Dogs program on 3CR the Australian Council for the Defence of Government Schools and we've got some more information on education funding policy and uh, we've got a very interesting article i'll pass it over to you sorrel what have we got for what have you got for us thanks dale um so we, yeah we do have a very interesting article by trevor cobalt a classic he has written an article entitled money still matters in education A new study published by the U.S. National Bureau of Economic Research shows that money still matters in education. It found that school finance reforms in the U.S. that have increased expenditure in low-income school districts, increased high school completion and college entrance amongst Black students and females, as well as increasing annual earnings. We find that school finance reforms lead to increases in educational attainment and in the mean earnings. These results hold when we consider the full state population, but we generally did find larger effects for black than white students. We also did find some evidence that effects are larger for female students. The study analyzed the impact of what we are known as adequacy-based school finance reforms implemented since the 19 since 1990. Courts in many US states have ruled that state constitutions require adequacy in school funding. This led to increased expenditure in disadvantaged school districts above the state average to compensate for the increased cost of educating children from disadvantaged backgrounds. The study found that 10 years of exposure to school finance reform increased high school graduation rates by 2% points and increased the share of students who attend at least some college by 1.4 percentage points. The effects were larger for black student outcomes than white students. Black students experienced a 3.4 percentage point increase in high school graduation and a 6.7 percentage point increase in the likelihood of attending some college. The effects for white students were smaller and only statistically significant for high school completion. The education impacts were also larger for females than males. After a decade, female high school graduation rates increased by 3.2 percentage points and the likelihood of attending some college increased by 2.5 percentage points. A year of additional exposure to a school finance reform increased annual earnings by $164 when those with zero earnings were included in the sample and by $199 when non-workers were omitted. The results implied a 3.6% increase in earnings for an additional 10 years of exposure relative to the immediate post-reform cohorts. Each year of exposure to a school finance reform increased average black earnings by $108 or 118 if those with zero earnings are excluded. None of the effects were significant for whites. Both males and females had higher earnings following the school finance reforms. The study also estimated the annual average earning return of extra years of high school as a result of school finance reforms. It found a small decline in the return to high school completion in the years leading up to school finance reform. Following the reform, the return to high school increased by three percentage points and trend increased of 0.7 percentage points per year of exposure to the reform. By the 10th year after the reform, the return to high school graduation increased by about 10 percentage points relative to the pre-reform trend. The return for high school completion increased for both black and white students, but the effect was larger for black. It also was larger for males than females. 
The study also compared the earnings increase with the cost of the school finance reform. It found that the annual earnings at ages 26 to 39 increased by $163 for each additional year that a student was exposed to the reform. The total increase in earnings after 13 years of school for cohorts who entered the school after the reform was $2,137 per year. Discounting this to age five and summing over ages 26 to 39 implied a cumulative present discounted value of the earnings increase of $13,367 per student, or a benefit cost ratio of 1.5 to 1. If the earnings benefits extended to the age of 62, the benefit cost ratio doubles to 2.9 to 1, which is a very high rate of return. The study notes that because of the benefits are likely to be concentrated amongst the students from low income school districts and families, the social return would be even more positive. The social return takes account of society's spending on education and the social benefits such as improved health. The study concludes that the evidence shown consistently that money matters in education. The increase in school funding mandated by the courts in many US states have been used productively and benefit students. The study adds to the weight of the evidence that money matters in education. In the last 20 years, some 25 to 30 highly sophisticated statistical studies have shown conclusively that money matters for disadvantaged students and minority students, and that increased funding delivers better school and post-school outcomes. Well, that goes completely across what the coalition keeps saying, that money doesn't matter. And of course, they think that money matters when they can pour it into the wealthy, more and more to the wealthy, and less and less to the disadvantaged in Australia. So this American study can be uh, brought across to the Australian situation too, doesn't it? It matters, not just for making more money as you get older, and everybody knows this in the, in the job market, it also matters for your long-term health and your long-term um, life, just living. Um, of course it matters. Uh, and yet Mr Tudge fudges the statistics again and again. But please go on. I'm sorry to that. Uh... Oh, no, definitely. You're so right. Uh, the problem is that Australia has not learnt the lesson. It's yeah. putting more and more funding into private schools, like you were just saying, who only enrol a small minority of disadvantaged students, while over 80% of those students are in public schools and over 90% of disadvantaged schools are public schools. Huge amounts of funding are being misdirected into private schools, which is the sector that is least in need. Unless there is a dramatic change in school funding policies, both by the Commonwealth and state governments, public schools and their disadvantaged students are going to continue to miss out over the next decade. So it's not only that they're missing out on their education now, they're also missing out on even being vaccinated so that they can successfully and carefully and without danger go back to school. Um, we now have a very distinct class divide in our education in Australia. And it's a matter for great concern indeed. But we'll have a little bit of a break and then Maddie has got a good news story for us. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. So 
Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, we've had a pretty, pretty awful few weeks or months or even years talking about the plague and vaccination and what's happening to our children in our schools. But also in the last few weeks, we've been seeing on our TV screens terrible things coming out of Afghanistan. But there's one good thing that's come out of Afghanistan and Maddie's going to tell us about it. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yes, this is our good news story. We like to end on a good note with this program. Um, I am here to tell you that Afghanistan's only girls boarding school has evacuated dozens of students and staff to Rwanda, the president of the institution said on Tuesday. And the move came days after the Taliban ousted the government in Afghanistan, where girls and women were banned from being educated when the Islamist militants were last in power. Last week, we completed the departure from Kabul of nearly 250 students, faculty, staff and family members, said Shabana Bazij Rashik, who co-founded the School of Leadership Afghanistan, or SOLA, in the Afghan capital. Everyone is en route by way of Qatar to the nation of Rwanda, where we intend to begin a semester abroad for our entire student body, Bazij Rashik stated in a series of tweets. <clears throat> Shabana speaks during the Girl Rising, a rally for girls and women screening at the uh, World Bank on April 18, 2013 in Washington, D.C. The school's president said she hoped they could all eventually go back. Our resettlement is not permanent. When circumstances on the ground permit, we hope to return home to Afghanistan. For now, I request privacy for our community, she wrote. Bazij Rasik is a highly decorated uh, human and she co-founded the school while she was still a teenager with the mission of providing access to quality education for girls across her homeland. Her post came days after she reported burning students' records not to erase them but to protect them and their families. Bazij Razik recounted how in 2002, a few months after the fall of the Taliban following the US-led invasion, many Afghan girls were invited to take part in a placement test because the militants had burned all female students' records to erase their existence. She wrote that she was one of those girls. When she was six, uh, the Taliban came to power and she was enrolled in a network of secret classrooms to complete her education. She told CNN News' Christiane Amanpour in a 2012 interview, I was scared. I didn't want to continue. I didn't want to be killed by the Taliban. My parents, they were always the ones who kept pushing. Shabana says it was her father who inspired her to go to school, telling her, you can lose everything you own in your life. Your money can be stolen, but the one thing that will always remain with you is what's in here. And he would point to his head. And he would say, your education is the biggest investment in your life. Don't ever regret it. 
this experience spurred her to start Scholar, which means peace in the local Pashto language. In her Twitter thread posted on August 20, she wrote, as the world focuses on Matic, those Afghans who are managing to get out, the fire in me to invest in the education of Afghan girls who would have no way out grows brighter, stronger and louder. She added the Ministry of Education in Rwanda said it was looking forward to welcoming the solar community to Rwanda for your study program. Solar's relocation to Rwanda comes amid the arrival of the first group of evacuees from Afghanistan to neighboring Uganda. The 51 Afghans landed in Uganda on Wednesday morning aboard a privately chartered flight, according to a statement from the country's foreign affairs minister. The new arrivals will temporarily stay in the East African country before being resettled elsewhere. Uganda will host, host at-risk Afghan nationals and other nationals who are in transit to the United States of America and other destinations worldwide. Um, Uganda will host 2,000 Afghan refugees for three months following a request from the US, according to the Minister of State for Relief, Disaster Preparedness and Refugees, Esther Anyakun Davino. Um, what an incredible person Shabana is. Isn't that just beautiful? She's very committed. In the face of incredible adversity, there's still a long way to go. Oh, yes, yes. Um, but what I find interesting is uh, that that uh, the, ch- the children and the, the father was prepared to help his daughter. I think that's lovely. Also, that Rwanda which has problems of its own, has taken these children in. So let's hope we can get some of them out here to Australia. And, of course, we think that we've got it pretty bad at the moment. But um, when you look at Afghanistan and these girls, we have to think again, don't we? So we battle on. (laughs) We battle on. As we have battled for the last few years at 3CR, If you'd like to find out more about the dogs, you can go to our website at www.adogs.info. We'll be back with you next Saturday at the same time, but for the moment, it's...
Bye for now.